and I don't know why I had like a spook, almost a spooky voice. That sucked. I'm yeah. doing it again. Well, I'm not cutting it out, so go ahead, change it up. Oh. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another new episode of Cracking One Up. You got two podcasts to record today. Get on a new you, game. You know, you're just you're giving me bad energy. I think it's your fault. I think you're just giving me bad energy. Wow. Wow. Right. Hold on. Wow. Yeah, go ahead. Drink that beer. You just said you hate it. <laughs> Ugh. It's not today's beer of the day. It's just a beer. Yeah, that's true. That should be. If you keep that in that there, should be cut specified. that out. Hello and welcome to a new. I don't want to say a new episode. Hello and welcome to Crack and Went Open. I'm your host, Mike. <laughs> and with me, as always, is the other host who has given me negative energy. <laughs> I'm Elise. <laughs> <laughs> and here we started this awkward start to our awesome episode. Awesome. That's right. I'm bringing that energy back. What energy? What? I'm bringing that positive energy back. Okay. Good. Because it's an awesome episode. Now, what's our awesome episode about? <laughs> this week, we are cracking open Burnside Brown Ale from Foundation Brewing Company, which is located in Portland, Maine. Hopefully it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a little bit about foundation they say quote until you find your calling you don't know what you're missing and from the moment you do it's hard to think of anything else foundation brewing company is the story of what can happen when you follow that calling pushing past the easy appeal of everything safe solid and sure to pursue the promise and perils of passion say that That's 10 times fast some pretty Intense stuff. Promise yeah, of perils yeah. and passion. Promise and perils of passion. Promise of perils and passion. Promise of perils and passion. All right, it's not that as hard as I thought. Consonants, good, man. Good alliteration, though. Yeah. Powers <laughs> of passion. Anyway, uh, since the creation of the brewery, they say they have grown carefully, that their focus is on getting better, not getting bigger. And to that point, they do have a fairly uh, small distribution spread, mostly just the Northeast and not even like the entire Northeast. I'm um, talking Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, and then quite randomly, Michigan, which I, I don't see the connection, but there must be something. A distributor came up, visited them, and was like, I want this in my state. Here's a lot of money. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what happened. Uh, so Burnside is an English style brown ale that was actually released way back in 2014 and has since become one of their core beers. So I found a press release from when Bur Burnside first debuted, ironically, on August 8th, which is the day after National IPA Day. <laughs> and the article gives a nice little backstory. Uh, they explain that even though they have a deep love of saisons, which is evident in the focus of the brewery. So I don't know how many other other beers from them. You'll be a saisons. A um, Joel and John, who are the recipe developer slash like business development manager and the head brewer respectively. So Joel and John share a great fondness for well, well done traditional British style ales. Uh, John spent a good amount of time traveling in the UK and his wife even lived there for a short time. So that really fueled his appreciation for that style. And then combine that with the fact that a lot of employees at the brewery are self-proclaimed foodies who like to talk about food and beer pairings. Um, they were on the hunt for a beer that could pair really well with grilled, roasted, and caramelized favors. So that's part of what ins inspired Burnside. 
Um, and they finally had a reason to make a small batch of it when they partnered with a local restaurant for a beer dinner. And they made a second small batch just for their tasting room and it flew out the door. So they knew that they had to make it like a, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because this is really similar to the backstory for last week's episode mm-hmm. with poor judgment, even though we had like no idea what we were choosing when we were choosing it. So it's just a coincidence. So let's talk about the beer. Ooh, let's. <laughs> Foundation says Burnside is our brown ale, layered with notes of coffee, burnt sugar, and chocolate, but balanced by a touch of malty sweetness and rolled oats for body. It finishes smooth and easy. And it clocks in at 5.1% ABV and has a rating of 25 IBUs. Burnside is brewed with a house British yeast. Mm. <laughs> and grains include pale malt, coffee malt, oats, and crystal malt. Oats, 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 oats. I think, like like I mentioned earlier, it really affects the the mouthfeel of the beer. I could see that. Yeah. But, I mean, I can only see that because I've had a lot of oatmeal in my day. True. So that's kind of what I'm basing everything on. <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly, there's only one hop listed, and that is Magnum. Oh my God, it's only one hop. It's not Citra. It's not Mosaic. What? Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Shut your mouth. Um, So Magnum was originally released by the German Hop Institute in Hull in 1980, and it is still one of the top bittering hops used in Germany, and it's really popular worldwide as well. It's now grown in Poland and France, but very minimally in the United States. It's limited to basically the Pacific Northwest. I couldn't find out whether this was due to like climate or just like lack of demand here. But like I said, it's still very popular worldwide. And this is because of its high alpha acid content with relatively low cohumulone. I love when you say cohumulone. (laughs) Because I don't know if I'm saying it right and I always hesitate. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) So Magnum creates a less harsh, more clean and pleasant bitterness with almost none of the like grassiness that's uh, present in other high alpha acid varieties hmm. as a nice hoppy floral aroma and subtle characters of citrus. And Magnum hops are notably good for strong ales like IPAs and Imperial beers, but they also shine in lagers and pilsners. So something else that I noticed on their website is a piece of information that I've seen maybe once before, but I didn't know really what that was. And that's the SRM rating. Mm. And for Burnside, the SRM rating is 19.4. So what does that mean, you might ask? Are you reading my mind right now? (laughs) So SRM stands (laughs) for Standard Reference Method. And it's one of the few systems that Brewer used to specify beer color. It's just a, a visual scale. And SRM was adopted by the American Society of Brewing Chemists back in 1951. It's, and I hope that I'm understanding this correctly, basically a measurement of the light of a particular wavelength in passing through one centimeter of beer and how much of that light is absorbed by the beer. So that affects the color of it. Okay. I was going to say, so it's less about color and more about the amount of light that goes through it. No. But all beer is kind of brownish. So I guess, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. That Um, makes sense. Yeah. So the SRM is a number representing a single point in the absorption spectrum. 
And again, that calculation involves a lot of math that I am definitely not qualified to try to explain. So let's just move on to the scale. (laughs) It's a spectrum that goes from pale yellow to orange to amber to deep brown to red brown and black and all the shades in between. The lower the SRM rating is, the lighter the color. So something like a Pilsner would generally fall into an SRM range of between two and seven. That pale straw yellow up to maybe like a deep golden color would be the variation. Whereas something like a Vienna Lager would fall into an SRM range uh, between seven and 14. So you can expect to see anywhere between that deep gold to a deep amber. In Burnside. In Burnside. Uh, No, for for a Vienna Lager. Okay. Um, Burnside was 24, you said? 25. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a uh, dark boy. No, 19.4. 25 was the IBUs. Sorry. So it's going to be a good darker yes. beer. This is going to oh, which makes sense. We'll get into why I think it makes sense. <laughs> Let me finish my notes. Sorry. So, an English brown ale like Burnside typically has a rating of between 12 and 22. So, ranging in color all the way from medium amber to brown, like a dark brown. And beyond that, something like a porter usually has a range between 20 and 40, going from brown all the way to black. So there's obviously a lot of other beer styles to consider, but I figure those are pretty well known and everyone would know like visually what I'm talking about. Good reference points. So here's my question. Yes. From now on, can we get a flashlight and shine it through our beer and try to figure out what it is? <laughs> is that Does it work like that? <laughs> It's a lot more complicated than that, according mm. to the formulas that I saw online. Damn it, and I'm not good at math. You and me both, buddy. Damn it. But one more thing about this beer. Yes. Uh, so Foundation also more recently decided to get a little bit experimental, mm-hmm. making a coffee Burnside. So Ooh. for this, they start with Burnside and then they add a locally roasted coffee to really amp up the notes of the roasted coffee, burnt sugar and chocolate that are already present in the base beer. And each batch of coffee Burnside uses a different variety of coffee um, from one of the area's great coffee roasters. That's pretty awesome. Right. But just so everybody knows, we are not getting we're not drinking the coffee one. today. No, just the regular. Burnside. But that does sound really good. But yeah, I mean, if. If Burnside is awesome, then we should definitely go on the hunt for this varietal of it. You're right. <laughs> so let's let's crack this open. Why, thank you. Why, you're welcome. Grip it and rip it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's exactly the color I thought it would be. Oh, it's even darker than I thought it was going to be. When it's all together, when it's pouring out, it's the color that it's that I thought it would be. Oh, it is. It is definitely a darker beer. Much darker than I thought it was going to be and completely opaque. I wasn't expecting that. Mm, is it completely opaque? Well, for the lighting that we're in. It's I can see I can see my finger through it if I hold it up to the window. Oh, OK. Yeah. It's got a little bit of a reddish hue going on behind it. A little bit. It's not the darkest beer. It's not stout. Or porter? No. Yeah, you can tell just by the, the foam itself. So it's got like a little head. A little bit. Nothing crazy. Doesn't seem to be super carbonated, but we'll see, I guess. I can smell a little bit of that like brown Ooh. ale, kind of almost coffee-ish note off the top already. Yep. And malty. Very, very malty. Very <sighs> toasty. Very toasty notes. Toasty roasty. Oh, man. 
This, this is this is a weird summer beer to drink. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta switch it up. We can't do IPAs every week. We did summer ales. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh wow. And now just as quickly as the, the head appeared, it's almost gone. Ooh. Oh wow. Yeah. That's coffee and chocolate. Malty. Malty, 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 malty. I don't know if I get it as much. I mean, I can get that chocolate, and now that chocolate is really on that nose. Now that the foam is gone, that chocolate is real on the nose. Yes. Oh, followed by almost a bitter mouthfeel, like a, a drier, bitter mouthfeel. It's got a little bit of bitterness, but not too much at all. No, it's not unpleasant in any way, but it, you get the the bitter after the the over, not overwhelming, but the initial sweetness. Yeah, I don't think any part of this beer is overwhelming I th- or in terms of taste. No taste overtakes any other taste to really overpower anything. No, it is very well balanced. Yeah, I get that big chocolate nose. I don't get any of the coffee on the taste. Really? No. I mean, I get a little bit of that roastiness, but that roastiness doesn't necessarily translate into coffee for me on the taste. It's like that roasty kind of malt, like a, a, a molasses or like toasted, like toasted oats. A little bit of burnt sugar at the beginning, and that turns into more like burnt oats. See, like I, oats. I'm not really getting the burnt, the burnt sugar at all. It's just at the very front taste, at that very mm-hmm. first burst of sweetness. And it turns into chocolate notes. The chocolate notes that you get on the nose don't really translate to the chocolate notes you get on the taste. Because they're not no, really right. that apparent on the taste. I think that might account for some of the bitterness, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the taste that you get when you're drinking it. Yeah, I think you're right. This is very enjoyable, though. I like this. Is it's, it? It's not the most summery beer. Yeah. Is this a summer beer? If we were out on the deck right now, would not I be drinking this? Not at all. Well, it's also like ninety. Well, it's not ninety degrees today, but <laughs> that's been the trend. I mean, if it was fall, if it was fall, if this was October, late October through you know, Marchish, absolutely, I would mm-hmm. be drinking this all the time. This yep. is great. This is absolutely, or if I was indoor at a brewery, Indoors, if I yeah. went to Burnside or I'm sorry, if I went to foundation, I'd absolutely order like a bajillion of these. If I was drinking oh, it yeah. inside, if they had yep. an inside and outside area, mm-hmm. if they have an outside area, I don't know if I'm drinking this as much, but their indoor area. Yeah. Air conditioned. Like, this is something that I would like to be sitting at a bar drinking. Yes. For sure. That's a, that's like how I'm picturing myself drinking. This is like a frosty, cold, tall glass. Tall, frosty boy. Mm-hmm. One of those glasses they flip upside down and put in those weird little water dispenser things to make yep. sure they instant freeze. Oh, that's one of the things they did. It wouldn't tap. Which is now closed. It's gone. At least ours is. <laughs> I was going to do a little Celine Dion for it. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, are you whistling Titanic right now? I am. <laughs> I was trying to find it. That's, a, that's a, like my go-to sad movie song. Oh. But this is this is really good beer. This is really solid. This is not what I was expecting. First of all, I didn't really know what to expect. Because you just kind, kind of, of wanted the beer and picked it up. And I was like, all right, yeah. I'll be surprised. <laughs> I was expecting something more along the lines of Bad Billy from Bad Sons. Was that its name? What was their brown ale? Something like that, yeah. Something Billy. I think Bad Billy. Uh, that's- Which I feel like is a little bit lighter than this. Bad Billy's a lot stronger than this too. It has some yeah. overwhelming notes. This is, everything's perfectly balanced. This is a balanced brown ale. 
And I think that's something that I think I have a little bit more experience than you in terms of drinking because yes. your go-tos are IPAs and saisons, uh, which I obviously do not care for <laughs> much at all. Um, but in the world of brown ales, there are a ton of different brown ales. And you've appreciated ales for a very long time, even before we got into IPAs, I feel like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. These ales, ales like this, like I started with obviously Corona, like every moron, dumb dipshit 20 year old does. <laughs> uh, but then as I moved on, I moved on to like lagers and then into ales. And then the, I, the ales get darker and stuff. And I had mm-hmm. porters and stouts and Guinness. And then I kind of moved on to IPAs as my palate became more refined refined and I don't want to say refined I don't like saying that other people aren't and they're that I'm refined I, I just like wet myself well, over McDonald's the other day so I'm definitely not <laughs> ref- like having McDonald's the other day I'm definitely not refined uh but yeah well, well my taste gets more bitter as, as I mm-hmm. get older I like I've it's never a big sweet person yeah no and so like as I've gotten older it's gotten worse and worse and worse to the point where like Although I, I don't get me wrong. I'll drink Coca-Cola all day or day. It's true. Uh, <laughs> like other than soda, which I love candy, you know, certain mixed drinks are, which is weird because I love tiki drinks, uh, <laughs> but that's fruit juice. I think like when they get, become artificially sweet, it's too much sweet for me. Yeah. And so then I started liking IPAs and I really like brown ales and stouts and all that kind of stuff because beer is beer is good. Beer is can be sweet but great beer is bitter and i think that's why i like sour so much is because they also affect my mouth in a different way than just sweet yeah that's it's true got that, and ooh, you, that pucker you, you that. do love your sour everything anyway exactly but i've had a lot of brown the, the long way around this is like you're saying <laughs> i've had a lot of brown ales and darker ales and porters and stouts and i think this is the most balanced that i've had yes i'm not gonna say it's my favorite but it's up there because I don't think I necessarily have a favorite because there are so many differences for everyone. There you really are. Because you're not just talking hops. There's hops in this. There's a hop in this. And it's also the toasted oats. It's the amount of coffee and chocolate notes that you put in it and mm-hmm. all this. And and this is just so balanced. And oh, my God, that, that is definitely burnt sugar. That is that is some caramel molasses kind of. Like, I don't even know yeah. if I'm getting the, the, you know, a little bit of that coffee note a little bit because I think it's just roasty. And I think we just associate that with coffee, but I think it's mostly that roasted oat and that caramel that goes through. But as you sip each, each sip, it's just easy drinking, mm-hmm. sitting at a bar talking, you know, oh, yeah. especially like a wooded panel bar, something that looks like old school, that, something that looks like reading my mind. Cause I know what to think of when you're drinking this <laughs> beer. It's you, it's, this is a pub beer. Yes. This is you going to a brewery that looks like a pub. You sit Which down is exactly and you start drinking. What they were going for. And it's perfect. It works. And Burnside is obviously a very English name. Yep. Although it does remind me of old Burnside, which is a, uh, brewery that was here in Connecticut that closed down. Oh, did the, they did Ten Penny, right? They did Ten Penny Ale, which I really liked, which is another brown ale that's I can't say it's similar to this because it's also very different. Mm-hmm. It's very that's a that was a very bitter, um, bittersweet ale, if I remember correctly. But it's mm-hmm. been a while since I had it. But yeah. So that's kind of what I was already picturing when we were about to drink this. Mm-hmm. And the can, the picture on the can is I don't I don't want to get quite into the can yet, but that that brown, I was thinking that's gotta be the brown of the beer. Oh, but then they've also yeah. got the white. So I was like, it better not be a milk stout. Although I haven't had a milk stout in a while. I, I'll give it another chance. I know they're growing in popularity. 
Yeah. I don't know. Have I ever had one? Did I ever try one of the ones that you were suffering through? I think I've only ever had two. Okay. And I don't remember what, I don't remember if you tried my first one. I remember, I remember vividly the other one I had because the other, last time I had a milk stat was followed by a beer, which I loved that had cucumber in it, which was ridiculous because I hate cucumber. Yep. With but a that passion, beer was with a amazing. fiery passion. I, I hate cucumber, but I loved that beer. But I did have the milk stout before that, and mm-hmm. I suffered through that real quick to try to get to my next beer because I couldn't take the taste. And I don't remember if you tried a sip of that, but probably not because I yeah. think I've, I, I'm i pretty I sure I recall th- you going, if that's your reaction, then no, because it doesn't <laughs> even look good. But I would be interested to try a milk stout again because I know they're really kind of, I wouldn't say blowing up. But they are slowly trending um, in terms of people's beer taste and what people, yeah. I think, want to try because it's such a unique and different kind of beer. And I don't think we're trending out of IPAs. I don't know if we ever will trend out of IPAs. No, but I think, but I think we are other, trending into we'll finally branching out. Falling. Yes. Yeah. We've gone from an got, amazing got, few thousand years of beer yeah. to our fathers and grandfathers drinking shitty Budweiser and Natty Ice and Coors Light and pretending that that's good beer Yeah. to this beer essence, but it kind of is exploding with a lot of, you know, obviously Pilsners and Lagers because that's beer, Mm -hmm. but also these IPAs are really taking off. But now we're seeing Gozes and Sours and Brown Ales and Granola Ales and and Milk Stouts and Stouts and Kolsch's and Saisons. (laughs) You say that with such disdain. I just don't like the bubble gumminess of them. Mm-hmm. We should do a Saison episode where it's just all Saisons and you try to get me to like a Saison and I have to rank the Saisons. <laughs> I don't think it'd be a good episode for me, nope. <laughs> but it might be a good episode for the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think that it's that'd trending good, toward other stuff like that. That'd be a like good that. one to do on video to get your like visual. Ugh, yeah, it would. But no, I think this is a fantastically, perfectly balanced beer. Yeah. They knew exactly what they wanted with this. I would almost say as I continue drinking it, the sweetness has gotten stronger. Yes. I was just thinking the same thing, actually. So it was perfectly balanced at the start, but now it's getting a little, little sweet. But I wouldn't say it's, it's not the sweetest brown ale I've had, but it's, it's kind of, it's a little sweet Mm -hmm. with those roasted sugar notes. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is a desserty beer, but it's, it's close. Close ish. I would say. What it's not I, it's not like bake sale. No, not at all. But with this, what I would say with this is you could eat with this. You could you could mm-hmm. which they wanted to do. You could pair yep. this with food. Yeah. A lot of the brown ales that I've had or chocolate brown ales or coffee brown ales or granola brown ales and all this, a lot of them are very tasty to the point where after you take a sip, that taste lingers for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So it's always been something historically when I've had it at at um the different bars we go to. I've always had it before the meal mm-hmm. or after the meal because I know that that's not necessarily the best thing to have with food. Mm-hmm. But I think this I could eat, I could drink with food. With or without. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it does not, the thing is the aftertaste, it does yeah. not have an evolution, a long evolution. It, you drink it, you taste it, you're good. It doesn't linger on your palate for too long, which kind of speaks to your, which I thought was dumb when you said it, self appointed foodies and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's true because you, that works because I've never had a brown ale that dissipates. Its taste dissipates like that so quickly. Yeah. Where now I can eat whatever I want with the brown ale. Without it affecting the taste. It's really, really balanced. It's really well balanced. Would you say it has a good 
Foundation. (laughs) (laughs) Indubitably. So Foundation Brewing, the can. These come in pints. So these are uh, Tall Boys. Four pack. Four packs. As most Tall Boys come in uh, nowadays. So the grist is pale oats, brown crystal. Alcohol. So those are the malts. But I don't know why it's called grist. I don't know what grist refers to. I should look that up. I don't know, because the other side of the can also says main farms provide part of the grist used in this beer. Mm-hmm. It just might be another name for wheat and malts. True. Or maybe it's the mix of both. Maybe. Next step, yo. Next step. Next. Nah, we know what we're talking about next episode already. That's true. It's going to be very different from this. That's true. I'm very excited. We're going to learn some stuff. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> if I can do my research. <laughs> so, by the way, the can is brown and white. <laughs> and what? it is the brown pretty much matches the color of the beer, at least as it's being poured out. Once yeah. it's all kind of condensed into a glass, it's a little darker, but it's got this. It's brown. Like, I don't even know what other shade of brown to call this, but brown. Just brown. Pretty brown. Alcohol by volumes, 5.1. IBUs, 25. Final gravity, 1.016. Which is weird that they have it on the can, but not on the website. This is also true. But I do like that they give you all this information. True. For I do appreciate it. Beer lovers to kind of ner- geek over. On the can also, kind of tilted on the white section of it, says the blend of malts used in Burnside produce, deep roasted flavors of chocolate, coffee and burnt sugar tempered by a smooth yet dry finish and all of that is absolutely correct because yep. chocolate coffee so, and burnt yeah. sugar dry finish which is what i was talking about even if you're not experiencing it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not wrong i really don't get the coffee though on the only the coffee i don't really get too much anymore just that first couple of sniffs the chocolate i can get the chocolate the little bit of like, chocolate notes i get obviously is it Maybe that I'm more sensitive to coffee because I don't drink it as often as you. That could be. That could be for sure. Because I definitely get all the other ones. And I got a little bit of coffee at the beginning, but now I just think it's just because it tastes, smells kind of roasted that I think Mm. coffee. Then in the brown section, because it's striped, it says the beer is a living product. Some sediment may naturally occur. I don't think it's translucent enough to see any sediment. No, I don't know. To be completely honest. I think if I put it up to the light, I don't see any sediment in my glass at least. And then on that brown stripe, it's got a faded target symbol on it. I don't know, man. Don't know what that is. It's it's definitely stands for something because not all of their cans have that symbol within the color stripe. All there, it's, oh, it's a it's, very uniform. What? It's called Burnside. Yeah. Do you think that's a brand? As if they were branding like a cow or something? Maybe. Because the striped white say, and brown kind of reminds me of a cow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they're the cans from the brewery, at least when I was scrolling through their like core beer page, mm-hmm. the design is very consistent, which I totally appreciate. <laughs> but, um, none of the other ones that I noticed had that symbol emblazoned on it. It was just, just a solid stripe of color. Hmm. Maybe because they have multiple and the color versions changes with like, you're, you're right. The, the color changes with the, um, the, the type beer. of beer that it is. Yeah. Interesting. Burnside, if you're listening, can you explain what the target is on the brown? Foundation. <laughs> Foundation, if you're listening, can you explain what the target is on the brown? Uh, 
Then within also in the brown stripe, you get the words brown ale. Within the white now, it says Burnside on the side, directly attached to the brown stripe, which is pretty cool. And Foundation Brewing Company is a very surprisingly small logo mm-hmm. on the can. They don't make it too big, not pretentious, pretty cool. Uh, it's also tilted sideways, which I really like. None of the font is is <laughs> the right way at all. Yeah. Everything's slanted, which is cool. Uh, and I really like their logo, which is looks like an open book or a lantern of sorts. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And inside of, of the frame, this black frame, it's yellow and it says FB. The F is backwards. And then on the bottom, it says foundation and all lowercase brewing company in all caps, but not bold. It's a really nice logo. The whole it can is very clean. Me... Oh, wait, no, never mind. Got that. <laughs> the whole can is very clean. And then obviously you get the government warnings. Brewed and canned in Portland, Maine, which mm-hmm. we've had a few beers that are brewed in, in, in Portland, Maine, I think. Yeah. It's a very popular beer destination. The, what I really like is the barcode for this beer. Yeah, I was going to point that out because we've seen that maybe once or twice before with Connecticut beers. Uh, the, the state is kind of emblazoned onto the barcode. On the barcode, like, like it cuts out. Yeah. yeah. Which is really cool. All in all, I really like the logo on this can because of how shiny it is, too. Most have most cans it's have like a like matted vinyl. finish. Yeah. But this is like as smooth as the aluminum on the can itself, which is really, really like. You're a very tactile person. Oh, I'm just like <laughs> rubbing this can down, to be honest. <laughs> I really like the smoothness of the, lab, uh, the logo mm-hmm. or the label. Ooh, my can was made on December 5th, 2018. Hmm. Or was it made May 12th, 2019? It's probably made December 5th. It's not European dates. So that's what I got for Burnside. Nice. Those are my tasting notes and my can description because that's mostly what I do here on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And the color commentary and the. I'm the asshole who just tells you the can and the tasting notes. So that's what I got for you. Oh. Now I'm going to keep drinking this perfectly balanced brown ale. Yeah. Like I said, it's not my favorite. I can't stop sipping it. But it's, it absolutely is up there on the list of my favorites. It is extremely drinkable and very enjoyable. If this continues to be available in Connecticut throughout the season as it gets colder, this is probably going to be like my go-to. Oh, I, yeah. I kind of want an ale today or this week. Well, it, and I'll be buying a four pack of these. This is one of their core beers, so it's not seasonal. We can get well, it I know. I'm just saying, now. you know. If our liquor stores if our are local store, liquor keeps, stores are fickle beasts. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, I I really, really, really like this. I'm surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised I like it because I like a lot of brown ales, but mm-hmm. I am very surprised that I'm in the mood for it considering it's the, the middle, middle of, of July. July. <laughs> it's 90 something degrees outside. And to not make the sound awful, we've turned off all our fans and air conditioners. Mm-hmm. To give you quality audio. Crisp. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you got for me, entertainment wise? Um. Honestly, not much because entertainment sucks. But I will say, um, a couple episodes ago, I was talking about the revival of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, which has since premiered in its entirety. So it is bingeable. I unfortunately have not had the time to binge it, but I have watched a few episodes, and it is. Very enjoyable. Any true crime documentary fan will thoroughly enjoy this, whether or not you are a 80s or 90s baby that grew up with this scaring the shit out of you on TV. It is a very different format than 
what you are may have been used to. That's what I noticed when I saw you watching it the other day. I was like, it's very much a this is uh, not unsolved mysteries. <laughs> yeah, it it's very much a typical Netflix crime documentary format. That being said, it still sucks you in. The lack of narration or like having a narrator like Robert Stack makes it slightly less creepy. Um, but they do use the same music, which has that very eerie undertone. But they, like I had mentioned a couple episodes ago, they kind of use the uh, the people that they're interviewing as a form of narration. And it does work like that. And then I will say also at the end of each episode, the fact that you you've gotten sucked into this story and then all of a sudden the loose ends are not tied up. You don't get to find out. It's not a forensics file. Yeah, you don't get a whodunit. You don't get an answer. You don't get a clean tied bow at the end. It's all of us, you you know, you're waiting for the next part to the episode. And all of a sudden it's, if you have any information regarding the death of blah, 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 please contact so-and-so police department. And it's like, oh, like it, your heart <laughs> almost drops because you're like, well, that's like, that's what made Unsolved Mysteries and America's Most Wanted back in the day so gripping Gripping was because you didn't know because they made you part of the episode. Yeah. Just by saying, if you have any information, let us know. Even it's, if it, even if the crime took place in the Virgin Islands, and yeah. you're in Maine and you're like, uh, probably don't have any information, but also is the killer outside my home. Yeah. It's very jarring. But yeah, I, I look forward to watching the rest of the episodes. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Is it all straight murder episodes? No. Or do they give you those they give ghosts you and aliens? Yep. That's the unsolved <laughs> mysteries I love. Yep. Nice. All right. As long as they go X-Files with it, that's all I ask. You got it. <laughs> so I would say then, and this was not on my plan, but if you like the creepy narration and you love William Shatner, you should watch the show <laughs> Unexplained that's on Hulu. Don't know when it originally came out. It doesn't seem like that long ago. No, I think it is fairly new. Uh. And you get William Shatner giving you creepy narration about unsolved, creepy, pa slightly paranormal investigations, mm -hmm. but they almost skew toward a reasonable answer to everything, which is cool. Oh, that's nice. So I they, mean, they, they still open ended like shit could be ghosts, but more than likely it's this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they're they're like ghost hunters where they they do approach the realistic explanation of a paranormal activity. But most for the most part, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, but obviously not in a terms in a way of ghost hunters because it is more done like an unsolved mysteries. But you yeah. get a host who's narrating everything. Yeah. Uh, but it is like cryptozoology and you know unfound creatures and spaces, uh, creepy locations on Earth and what mm -hmm. those might mean and historical places uh, of God and why they were created and and what meaning could they have. You know, and what technology do we not understand that maybe they were getting at back in the day and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And some pretty cool stuff that they always put a supernatural tinge on, but they also mostly geared toward. But it's probably, you know, <laughs> the electromagnetic currents in the earth or <laughs> yeah. low volume sound caused them to go insane, not ghosts. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. It could have been ghosts. <laughs> exactly. And William Shatner's delivery is is absolutely perfect. Obviously. But now that I know Unsolved Mysteries has the creepy episodes, I will just scroll through and watch the non-murder <laughs> episodes. That's neat. Yeah. Is that all you got? It is. Okay. All right. And in my search of non, hey, this was delayed by COVID and yeah. this was delayed by COVID and this also <laughs> was delayed by COVID or these actors are filming something for a home for something that you don't really want to watch because it's just they're, them having a Zoom meeting by themselves. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
boring. Uh, we are at a video game movie slash TV show renaissance. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So today, when we're recording this, which is July fifteenth, twenty twenty. The Uncharted movie just began production with Tom oh, Holland starring as a young Nathan Drake, who in itself, the character was a Nathan Fillion. So in other words, Tom Holland mm-hmm. is a young Nathan Fillion. Uh, like it or love it, it's happening. I know most people would rather have just seen Nathan Fillion have actually done this movie 10 years ago and canceled, yeah. ca- canceled Castle early to actually do this. But whatever. This is the movie we're getting. I like Tom Holland. Hopefully the movie will be good. I believe Mark Wahlberg is playing his mentor, Sully, like a younger version of Sully. So mm-hmm. that's cool. And I like the idea that Uncharted is like a modern Indiana Jones because who doesn't want more Indiana yeah, Jones? Yeah, you've been talking. Well, I mean, you've been a fan of Uncharted for a long time, but you, Uncharted you were great. also talking about Nathan Fillion playing it in a movie version for a long time as well. Because so he I'm was surprised. modeled after Nathan yeah. Fillion. But, yep. you know, we got that short film that he did on YouTube that was pretty yeah. cool. And he lost a lot of weight and got back in shape for that. So hopefully now we'll just at least get a Firefly 2. Huh? 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 Um, so the, not only did that happen, but the Monster Hunter movie, although it got delayed, is still coming out. Mm-hmm. We have a Last of Us TV show coming out from the creator, Neil Druckmann, the r- director of The Last of Us and the creators of the Chernobyl TV show, or at least one of them. Mm-hmm. We have the Halo TV series, which is finally making some progress toward coming to light. We have Sonic the Hedgehog that just came out. The Resident Evil franchise is actually going to be getting a reboot very soon. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Unrelated to Mila Jovovich? Netflix is going to work on the on the film. Actually, it's going to be a TV series. Oh, okay. Um, and it's unclear whether it's going to tie into the film as be a reboot of the franchise. Mm-hmm. I would hopefully like to see a reboot because I know the original film versions were going to be a reboot when they redid them. The Resident Evil series is is supposed to be this horror filled creep show. It, it, it's more like not cerebral, but uh, Resident Evil is a creepy horror game. And to make it this action gunathon is just mm-hmm. not what Resident Evil should be. OK, so I, I very much like the idea of rebooting it and making it the first Resident Evil movie is OK. Mm-hmm. I love the first one. Yeah, it's OK. And then the rest of them are all garbage. And well, I say I love the first movie. Having never that, played the game. That being said, I never played the game. So I, yeah, I have no loyalty to the game over it, the movie. Yeah, it should be a horror thing. There will be a Call of Duty movie. The director of the Sicario sequel is being is is creating it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just going to be a war movie with a name to Call of Duty to get some people to kind of watch it. Hopefully, the quality of its war movie will be better than the fact that it's based on a video game. Rainbow Six might actually become a film at this point. With Michael B. Jordan as the commander, John Clark, which is kind of exciting. I think Michael B. Jordan's a little young to play John Clark because John Clark is a character who also is in a lot of the like the Patriot games. The Tom, the oh, the yeah, he's way too young. I like him a lot, but uh, Jack, not Jack Reacher, Jack Ryan. He's in the Jack Ryan books, like yeah, um, Patriot games and stuff like that. Okay. And he's this grizzled ex. CIA operative who's Mm -hmm. like an assassin now Um, and in the novels he gets hired because of his experience to start Rainbow Six which is this international team Mm -hmm. of of special operatives who work for a common interest for the UN and the novel was amazing the video games it's based on are really really good and Michael B. Jordan is just like our age I would say early 30s maybe a couple years older than us but not by much definitely uh, not old enough to be playing someone who was in 
Patriot Although, Games or Hunt for Red October or anything like that. You know, it's if you take them place, if you have them take place now. But I could, I guess I could see like if he started at age 18 and with the, all the wars in the Middle East, let's say he's already done four tours, five tours. I guess that could grizzle you up pretty quick. Yeah. So I guess that could work. Uh, I guess he's going to start in his own solo film first, Without Remorse, which is another Tom Clancy novel as well. That kind of tells Clark's origin story of becoming an actual okay. CIA operative. Mm -hmm. So I, I like Michael B. Jordan quite a bit and he can definitely lead a group. Yeah. So this is that's very exciting. So that's coming out. Uh, they are also doing, obviously, a movie based on The Division. They've been working on that for a long time. Uh, that's got Jake Gyllenhaal signed to star. And I hmm. want to say also Jessica Chastain is also on board with that. I, okay. I want to say the list I'm looking at right now only says Jake Gyllenhaal. That I am pretty sure is a Netflix movie. I don't know if it's coming to theaters. I believe that is going straight to Netflix, but it is being made by some some big names. And the division actually has a pretty decent story. So and, and is actually very timely considering what we're going through now. So mm -hmm. we'll see how that works. <laughs> There's a Sleeping Dogs movie still in the work based on the uh, Hong Kong action game. Mm -hmm. Netflix is making a animated Devil May Cry series, which is supposed to go alongside their Castlevania series. Oh. That's I mean, I I know you're not a huge fan of Devil May Cry, but I, I know it's a very like theatrical game. So that should be interesting. it is very theatrical. Yeah, I, I have a couple of them, but yeah, I'm not a gigantic fan. Uh, Final Fantasy 14, the massive multiplayer game, is going to have a Netflix show. Um, apparently live action, so we'll see how that what? works. That's a little high fantasy for me. Yeah. And also you're going to base it on the MMO and not one of the more popular franchises, but that's whatever, I guess. Uh, and the Halo game, obviously, I've already talked about. 10 episode series coming to Showtime. Hopefully will air in 2020. There will be no more delays. That'll be really cool. It's supposed to go alongside the game. So it's supposed to mm -hmm. take place within the same universe, not be its own separate thing. 20th Century Fox is working on a Mega Man. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers is still in production ever since January 2018 when Nintendo announced it that Illumination Studios, the studio behind uh, Despicable Me and Minions, are going to be making a Mario Brothers movie. So hopefully we'll see that sometime soon. They've been working on that for a long time. Yeah. I wonder if the delay in that has anything to do with the production of the... Uh, Nintendo Worlds in Universal Studios. I don't know. I don't know if they've ever said they've actually delayed it. Oh. They just never gave a release date. So, uh, yeah, that's fair. They're just working on it. Yeah. But hopefully that'll come soon. Obviously, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is coming out soon. And you just all these video game movies. It's very interesting to see if they'll be good, mm -hmm. if they'll be bad. What <laughs> are they going to be? Everything's kind of coasting on. Hey, Sonic did really well. Let's Ooh. start making more of these. Yeah. And we'll see, like, they want to make a sequel to Tomb Raider as well. Tomb Raider, uh, the one with Alicia Vikander, mm -hmm. which wasn't terrible, but also not great. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It's it's, it's weird times for video games and movies, and we're starting to see all these yeah. things blended. If you listen to Two Player Bros, shameless plug, our episode last week, our deep dive on The Last of Us Part Two, explained how movies... And video games like Last of Us Part 2 is a big experiment on trying to blend the two together, whether successfully or unsuccessfully. It's a very divided opinion in that game. Mm -hmm. You're starting to see this blend of entertainment that I think is really interesting. And in terms of like the Halo TV series, I like what they're doing where it's all the same universe. You watch the TV show, it informs the game. The game informs the TV show and vice versa. It has this really interesting interactive experience that I think we're going to see a lot more of going further as the ability to tell good 
narrative stories with interesting characters evolves with the mm-hmm. technology going forward. And just purely out of necessity right now, having those different platforms available. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying video games are easier to work on remotely, but they're infinitely more <laughs> easily created than a movie or TV show is by just remotely. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Or housing all of your staff, you know, all of your cast and crew in a bubble. Yeah. Like they're like starting to do with some week. films. Yes. So yeah, I thought that was cool. I'll share that news. I noticed because I noticed um, IGN decided to go to a lot, had a survey about which are you most excited for? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man. And it had some of those, not all of those that I listed, but I was just like, oh man, yeah, there are a lot of those coming out. <laughs> so I thought that'd be interesting to talk about. That's, nice. that's what I got. That's what you got. Oh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. All right, Sean. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> for tuning into this week's episode um and if you enjoyed it please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes you can find us on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and stitcher you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at kraken one open you can also shoot us an email at kraken one open at gmail.com with questions comments suggestions uh on beer on news topics whatever we want to know what you want to hear about yeah what style of beer do you want us to tackle yeah how we do a lot of ipas is it's summertime we're trying to find more summery beers mostly this is a little bit of an outlier but you know if there's a weird beer out there that you think we can get and talk about yeah that well i mean that's the main obstacle is us being able to acquire the beer but yeah and if you're a brewery send us a beer we'll (laughs) sign for it we'll talk about it if you want to be on the show let us know We'll send you some questions you can answer via typing and we'll read them out. We'll record you recording answers to our questions. If you're close by, we'll drive down, set up the mics, and we can have a chat if you feel safe talking to us and we'll do it in a safe way or whatever. Or if you want to do it and just wait till it becomes safer to do so, we'll put you on the list. Let (laughs) us know. That's You like that? No? I'm sorry. You got any plugs? (laughs) I've got plenty of plugs. Here we go. (laughs) So if you like the sound of my voice, I've got two other podcasts I do right now. I've got I've got Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy Mike Field. It's about movies that for whatever reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about it, maybe what we don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You could find your own forgotten gem. We'll talk about how the movie was made, notes on its production, why we think it was forgotten, our thoughts, general thoughts. We have a good time. We banter. We bicker. We yell. We fight. It's great. That's out every Wednesday. Check it out wherever you can find your podcast. Also, follow us on Forgotten Cinema Pod on all your social media needs and check out our commercials every Thursday. I've also got two player bros, a podcast by two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and my buddy Dave as we talk about all things video games related previews, news, uh, reviews on all systems, PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Nintendo switch VR. We've got it all. We talk it all every other week. Join us for our post game presented by two player bros, where we deep dive into your favorite games past and present and we do a deep dive review on them tell you some notes about the production of the game and also what we think of those two player bros is out every single thursday wherever you get your podcasts and special thanks for our theme coming which was, soon oh if you like cracking one open 
take a look at your YouTubes because Kraken One Open is soon to invade your YouTubes with a YouTube show that we're developing. Uh, it's going to have different episodes, different ideas. Uh, part of it is going to be me making beer, beer tales. And I think that's kind of the first few we're going to start out that way because it's kind of unsafe to go anywhere right now. So if you want to learn how to turn your beer into something more than just beer that can please a wider audience or really just change your perspective on how beer can be used in the greater world of bartending, <laughs> check us out on YouTube. That should be coming soon. TBD. Yes. As soon as I get some episodes out, but we will be working on that within probably the first week. We'll be filming something for it. So check it out. I want to announce it now so people keep an eye on it. And of course... Check us all out on ForgottenEntertainment.com. All right. And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.